Section 28 of The Celtic Twilight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit www.librivox.org. Recording by James McAndrew, San Francisco, California. The Celtic Twilight by William Butler Yeats. Drumcliff and Rosses. Drumcliff and Rosses were, are, and ever shall be, please heaven, places of unearthly resort. I have lived near by them, and in them, time after time, and have gathered thus many a crumb of fairy law. Drumcliff is a wide green valley, lying at the foot of Ben Bulban, the mountain in whose side the square white door swings open at nightfall to loose the fairy riders on the world. The great St. Columba himself, the builder of many of the old ruins in the valley, climbed the mountains on one notable day to get near heaven with his prayers. Rosses is a little sea-dividing sandy plain covered with short grass like a green tablecloth and lying in the foam midway between the round, cairn-headed Nocnaria and Ben Bobin, famous for hawks. But for Ben Bobin and Nocnaria, many a poor sailor would be cast away, as the rhyme goes. At the northern corner of Rosses is a little promontory of sand and rocks and grass, a mournful, haunted place. No wise peasant would fall asleep under its low cliff. For he who sleeps here may wake silly, the good people having carried off his soul. There is no more ready shortcut to the dim kingdom than this plovery headland, for covered and smothered now from sight by mounds of sand. A long cave goes thither, full of gold and silver, and the most beautiful parlours and drawing-room. Once before the sand covered it, a dog strayed in and was heard yelping helplessly deep underground in a fort far inland. These forts or wraths, made before modern history had begun, cover all Rosses and all Columkill. The one where the dog yelped has, like most others, an underground beehive chamber in the midst. Once when I was poking about there, an unusually intelligent and reading peasant who had come with me and waited outside knelt down by the opening and whispered in a timid voice, Are you all right, sir? I had been some little while underground, and he feared I had been carried off like the dog. No wonder he was afraid, for the fort has long been circled by ill-boding rumours. It is on the ridge of a small hill, on whose northern slope lie a few stray cottages. One night a farmer's young son came from one of them, and saw the fort all flaming and ran towards it. But the glamour fell on him, and he sprang onto a fence, cross-legged, and commenced beating it with a stick, for he imagined the fence was a horse, and that all night long he went on the most wonderful ride through the country. In the morning, he was still beating his fence, and they carried him home, 
where he remained a simpleton for three years before he came to himself again. A little later, a farmer tried to level the fart. His cows and horses died, and all manner of trouble overtook him, and finally he himself was led home, and left useless with his head on his knees by the fire to the day of his death. A few hundred yards south of the northern angle of Rasses is another angle also having its cave, though this one is not covered with sand. About twenty years ago, a brig was wrecked nearby, and three or four fishermen were put to watch a deserted hulk through the darkness. At midnight, they saw sitting on a stone at the cave's mouth two red-capped fiddlers, fiddling with all their might. The men fled. A great crowd of villagers rushed down to the cave to see the fiddlers, but the creatures had gone. To the wise peasant, the green hills and woods round him are full of never-fading mystery. When the aged countrywoman stands at her door in the evening, and in her own words looks at the mountains and thinks of the goodness of God, God is all the nearer, because the pagan powers are not far because northward, in Ben Bobin, famous for hawks, the white square door swings open at sundown, and those twilight, wild, unchristian riders rush forth upon the fields, while southward, the white lady, who is doubtless Maeve herself, wanders under the broad cloud nightcap of Nocnaria. How may she doubt these things? even though the priest shakes his head at her. Did not a herd-boy no long while since see the white lady? She passed so close that the skirt of her dress touched him. He fell down and was dead three days. But this is merely the small gossip of fairydom, the little stitches that join this world and the other. One night, as I sat eating Mrs. H.'s soda-bread, her husband told me a longish story, much the best of all I heard in Rosses. Many a poor man from Finn McCool to our own days has had some adventure to tell of. For those creatures, the good people, love to repeat themselves. At any rate, the storytellers do. In the times when we used to travel by the canal, he said, I was coming down from Dublin. When we came to Mullingar, the canal ended, and I began to walk. And stiff and fatigued, I was after the slowness. I had some friends with me, and now and then we walked, now and then we rode in a cat. So on, till we saw some girls milking cows, and stopped to joke with them. After a while, we asked them for a drink of milk. We have nothing to put it in here, they said. But come to the house with us. We went home with them, and sat round the fire talking. After a while, the others went and left me, loath to stir from the good fire. I asked the girls for something to eat. There was a pot on the fire, and they took the meat out and put it on a plate and told me to eat only the meat that came off the head. When I had eaten, 
the girls went out, and I did not see them again. It grew darker and darker, and there I still sat, loath as ever to leave the good fire. And after a while, two men came in, carrying between them a corpse. When I saw them coming, I hid behind the door, says one to the other, putting the corpse on the spit. I'll turn the spit, says the other. Michael H., come out of that and turn the meat. I came out, all of a tremble, and began turning the spit. Michael H., says the one who spoke first, have you let it burn? We'll have to put you on the spit instead. And on that, they went out. I sat there, trembling and turning the corpse, till towards midnight the men came again. And the one said it was burned, and the other said it was done right. But having fallen out over it, they both said they would do me no harm that time. And sitting by the fire, one of them cried out, Michael H., can you tell me a story? Divil a one, said I, on which he caught me by the shoulder and put me out like a shot. It was a wild, blowing night. Never in all my born days did I see such a night, the darkest night that ever came out of the heavens. I did not know where I was for the life of me. So when one of the men came after me, and touched me on the shoulder with a Michael H. Can you tell a story now? Yeah, I can, says I. In he brought me, and putting me by the fire, says, Begin. I have no story but the one, says I. Till I was sitting here, and you two men brought in a corpse and put it on the spit, and set me turning it. That will do says he. You may go in there and lie down on the bed. And I went, nothing loath. And in the morning, where was I but in the middle of a green field? Drumcliff is a great place for omens. Before a prosperous fishing season, a herring barrel appears in the midst of a storm cloud. And in a place called Columkill Strand, a place of marsh and mire. An ancient boat with St. Columba himself comes floating in from sea on a moonlit night, a portent of a brave harvesting. They have their dread portents too. Some few seasons ago, a fisherman saw far on the horizon, renowned by High Brazel, where he who touches shall find no more labour or care, nor cynic laughter, but shall go walking about under shadiest boskage, and enjoy the conversation of Cuchillin and his heroes, a vision of High Brazel forebodes national troubles. Drumcliff and Rosses are chokeful of ghosts, by bog, road, wrath, hillside, sea border, they gather in all shapes, headless women, men in armour, shadow hares, fire-tongued hounds, whistling seals, and so on. 
a whistling seal sank a ship the other day at drumcliff there is a very ancient graveyard the annals of the four masters have this verse about a soldier named denadoc who died in 871 a pious soldier of the race of conleys under hazel crosses at drumcliff not very long ago an old woman turning to go into the churchyard at night to pray saw standing before her a man in armour who asked her where she was going it was the pious soldier of the race of con says local wisdom still keeping watch with his ancient piety over the graveyard again the custom is still common hereabouts of sprinkling the doorstep with the blood of a chicken on the death of a very young child thus as belief is drawing into the blood the evil spirits from the too weak soul blood is a great gatherer of evil spirits to cut your hand on a stone on going into a fort is said to be very dangerous there is no more curious ghost in drumcliff or rosses than the snipe ghost there is a bush behind a house in a village that i know well for excellent reasons i do not say whether in drumcliff or rosses or on the slope of ben boban or even on the plain round knocknaria there is a history concerning the house and the bush a man once lived there who found on the quay of sligo a package containing three hundred pounds in notes it was dropped by a foreign sea captain this my man knew but said nothing it was money for freight and the sea captain not daring to see his owners committed suicide in mid-ocean shortly afterwards my man died his soul could not rest at any rate strange sounds were heard round his house though that had grown and prospered since the freight money the wife was often seen by those still alive out in the garden praying at the bush i have spoken of for the shade of the dead man appeared there at times the bush remains to this day once portion of a hedge it now stands by itself for no one dare put spade or pruning fork about it as to the strange sounds and voices they did not cease till a few years ago when during some repairs a snipe flew out of the solid plaster and away the troubled ghost say the neighbours of the note finder was at last dislodged my forebears and relations have lived near rosses and drumcliff these many years a few miles northward i am wholly a stranger and can find nothing when i ask for stories of the fairies my answer is some such as was given me by a woman who lives near a white stone fort one of the few stone ones in ireland under the seaward angle of ben boban they always mind their own affairs and i always mind mine for it is dangerous to talk of the creatures only friendship for yourself or knowledge of your forebears will loosen these cautious tongues 
my friends the sweet harp-string i give no more than his irish name for fear of gauges has the science of unpacking the stubbornest heart but then he supplies the patine makers with grain from his own fields besides he is descended from a noted gaelic magician who raised the duel in great eliza's century and he has a kind of prescriptive right to hear tell of all kind of other world creatures they are almost relations of his if all people say concerning the parentage of magicians be true end of section 28 recording by james mcandrew san francisco california